The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Good morning and welcome to Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Morning, Luke. Good morning, Pat. Okay, I should really call you ambassador. Oh, thank should you. I not? That's right. I am an ambassador now, yeah, for science. Isn't that a great title? Yes, yeah, so it's very good. Big thing happening from Science Foundation Ireland. It's called Creating Our Future. And they're consulting anybody in the country can give ideas about what Ireland should be doing in research and in science. Isn't it a great idea? And they're kind of building on the science awareness because of COVID and so on. And they've named a few ambassadors just to say, we're here and we're going to help. And anybody can submit their ideas. It's called Creating Our Future. So it's a very, Simon Harris actually is, a, is one of the people behind it. So we're going to see what the country wants us to do in terms of research research and science for the future. Okay, and uh, hopefully give a scientific education to everybody. I think it's as important as any other aspect of uh, education to be able to speak the language of science and understand it. So that's uh, congratulations once again to Ambassador uh, Luke (laughs) O'Neill. Now, uh, the the, the question du jour, the topic on everyone's lips is about reopening on October 22nd. Uh, We have a very high vaccination rate among our adult population. We still have all the under 12s unvaccinated, which must be close to uh, a million children, I would imagine. Um, And in spite of the high level of vaccination, we still have a very high number and it, it seems a climbing number of infections. What's going on? We do, yeah. The trend is not great, they say. But now again, we're waiting for this uh, final analysis in this phase over next week. I think the, the Cabinet's going to look at all the numbers, aren't they? Now, we, we haven't seen some of those numbers, but it does look as if cases are climbing and then hospitalisation rates are still OK, remember. It isn't overwhelming, the hospital system. But again, there must be concerns here, Pat, because they must see trends and so on. And you're quite right. The question is, why, why is this happening? We're, we're number seven in Europe now in terms of number of cases. That isn't a great place to be, by the way, you see. Well, yeah. We've got a lot more cases than, say, Denmark or other countries. Are we so number one in vaccinations? We're very high in vaccinations. Very high exactly. there, yeah. But remember, there's 300,000 people unvaccinated in, 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 in the over 12s. So that, that we need people to keep keep going with the vaccination campaign is one message we're hearing. And, and the Minister of Health said that yesterday, you see. So people should keep up with our vaccination campaign, obviously. And then, of course, we've got the booster campaign is now underway. And that's a very important because there is evidence on waning. And maybe we're seeing a bit more waning here and there. We do, the, the truth is that we don't know why these cases are climbing all the time. That's still an unknown. I'm just wondering uh, when you hear noises from government or around government saying that the virus is behaving differently it's not. It's no. people. It's the same virus. The virus hasn't changed. Delta is now, as you know, Delta has yeah. been dominant for months and months. Interestingly, Pat, no other variant has cropped up. That gives us a bit of hope, by the way, because mm-hmm. we mightn't see an even worse one that we don't fully know. But, but Delta is the one much more transmissible. You have twice the risk of hospitalisation with Delta than the previous one, for example. So in other words, the virus is still there and we need to be on our guard. The whole still on our guard, basically, is the idea. Um, you hear a lot of noise from the anti-vax uh, group and... Um, there's some suggestion that they may be rather more organised than you might think. It's not necessarily always a disparate uh, group of people picking up their information off the internet randomly. Yeah, no, it does seem to be, yeah, and, and it's grown and there's more and more people like that. And, and in the we're lucky in Ireland in that we have a very high rate of vaccination, which is tremendous. Yeah. But they would be uh, one reason for the low vaccination uptake, especially in the US. And, and the US is very worried about that because social media, of course, is the big thing that spreads this misinformation. So it's a very important question. Now, what about our own relaxation? Because... Uh, I go back to when we had the All-Ireland Finals at Crow Park and we talked about the number of people very visible on the telly not wearing masks, closely crammed together even though there was not a full capacity and so on. And it was more the message of that saying everything's okay. We've beaten this thing. 
Well, the virus has, doesn't change and it spreads from person to person. Let down your guard. You could pick up the virus is the bottom line. Close contact. A big one, Pat, actually, is people not staying home when they have symptoms. That's the number one directive still. If you have symptoms, don't go into work, don't go to school or whatever, and then it won't spread as much. And there seems to be less people doing that as well, you see. So the behavioural element is really critical for this. That's a very important question. Isn't it? When you look at other countries, I know that you've been in the UK recently. How did you find compliance with mask wearing there? That was incredible. I was on the underground. Nobody wearing masks at all, right? So one person in my car, I was wearing one, and one person in the carriage, there's maybe 60 people there. I went to a pub again, everything was like no COVID and you can see the case numbers are huge in the UK. You don't need to be a, an epidemiologist to see what's going on there in a sense, but the UK is, England has relaxed everything nearly as we know. The countries that are doing pretty well, even though they might have lower vaccination rates than ourselves, are these the countries where, you know, they're not saying you can't go into a pub, but they're saying you got to have a clear antigen test before you go into a pub. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, yeah. And then they're inclined. And one thing, Pat, is this might reveal how sociable each country is, and the Irish might be more sociable than another yeah. country, and then it'll spread more. It could, be, it could be as simple as sociability at one level. But certainly, I was in Germany as well three weeks ago, and they were more compliant. A lot of care in the pubs there. You know, you can see people really wearing masks. All that stuff was happening in Germany, probably more so than here, I would say. I was really aware of it there, you know. So it, it is differing from country. It was country. literally in your face in, in Germany. In your face, exactly. So, yeah. so <laughs> compliance is one of the issues. And when you talk to restaurateurs, they say, well, Nobody ever checks on us. Well, well, you know, I, whether we've checked everybody well, the thing, yeah. with their COVID, COVID cert. I went to a pub in Germany. I went to a table of six people, had my mask on, took it off. I, I didn't wear the mask on to the toilet. A woman, the bar woman shouted, put your mask on as I went to the toilet. So really kind of observing, you know, the, 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 the guidelines. I guess. We have ways of making you comply. Wear the mask, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and of course, they won't even cross the road if the, unless the little yeah. green man is telling that, them that's it, it's exactly. okay to do. Now, um, so that's going to be uh, an issue for government and Neffet are going to report. But the noises obviously are... Uh, not that encouraging for those who want to complete opening up. We'll hear more from Minister Pascal Donoghue later on in the programme. You have been looking at the flu, though, because yeah. that can be, in the United States particularly, thousands of people die of it every yeah, year. People, people forget, yeah. 300 to 600,000 people a year die of flu. It is a serious infectious disease, as we know. But guess what? Hardly any flu in many countries because of partly the restrictions. But it's a striking thing. There isn't much flu around. Like in the US, there were 646 deaths in 2021. Huge drop in the death rate. Yeah an infection rate. And the big question is why? Now, strangely, Pat, uh, when they relaxed measures, flu didn't go up. That was one thing that was unusual. You would have thought, look, if we're all mixing and mingling again, flu might spread. International travel seems to be the main reason. A decrease in that. Because flu gets seeded, they call this, from an overseas place into your place and then starts to spread. They reckon the main reason for the flu dropping is less international travel, which is very interesting. Because we know there's a huge cohort who haven't been vaccinated in the United States. We know there's a huge anti-mask group still in the United States. That's right. So you'd expect them to be riddled with you flu. Would, yeah. Not happening. And all they can say is less travel is the reason for the decrease in flu. Every virus is different, by the way. Flu will behave differently to COVID-19 and so on. And another virus called RSV, which another respiratory virus that really affects children badly, that's gone up mysteriously. Out of season there's been these spikes of RSV. Normally it's a winter thing like like most yeah. of us. That's gone higher. And again it's not fully clear why that is. Now remember each virus is different. So even though they're in your lungs, they might spread differently between us. And it's yeah. a scientific question why we're seeing these differences between different viruses. Um, the flu vaccine is uh, is available now. Um, I had my one. It's got the one with the adjuvant and all of that. Um, uh, no ill effects. I'm happy uh, yep. to report. But it might be important. You just never know. Uh, 
a flu jab. I mean, the message in the US, most of all, where they're worried about this huge up, an upsurge might come, basically, and then they're worried it may begin to grow as, as, as um, borders open again, you might see a surge. So again, get the flu jab is the message there. Now, the link between uh, marijuana use and COVID-19. Yeah, this is an interesting one, isn't it? You spell it, this is a great one. So one, the big question, Pat, at the moment, among the many questions, one is why are people who are vaccinated getting infected, as we just discussed? And it is happening. That's a low rate, but it is happening. One reason may be substance abuse disorder, they call this. Anybody who, say, alcohol or marijuana, there's a big study showing if, if, you, if you have substance abuse disorder, you're twice as likely to see a breakthrough infection if you're vaccinated than if you aren't in that category. And that's an interesting finding. That's yeah. another reason why certain and people are vaccinated. what's the science behind that? Well, it could be they're immunosuppressed, by the way, because people who are, uh, say, an al- alcoholics, for example, are well known. Your immune system is a bit dampened. And what that means is the vaccine mightn't have worked as well in you anyway. And then even if it did work, you've got a slightly less immune response and now you get an infection. That's one possibility. But again, it's a bit of a, a mystery. Huge study, by the way, tens of thousands of people. So, so in other words, one reason is substance abuse problems might give rise yeah. to increased risk of infection I mean, post-vaccination. People, uh, when they're smoking marijuana, they do take the stuff into their lungs. There could be uh, some sort yeah. of a pulmonary it, effect. We don't know. It was highest in the marijuana users, actually, the ones who are chronic marijuana users. Yeah. They were the highest risk of breakthrough infections post-vaccination. And you're right, it could be their, 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 the smoking or whatever it might be. Of course, they're more likely to hug each other. Well, that's the other thing. The more sociable, perhaps. As we just said, sociability is a key factor here. But it's a a fascinating finding, isn't it? I mean, what gets me about is how scientists discover this kind of thing. You know, they obviously look at this closely and that was a reason for breakthrough infections. Now, uh, something that almost slipped through the net, I suppose, but it's really profound news. And that is the development of a malaria vaccine, not in any way as effective in percentage terms as the Pfizer, Moderna or AstraZeneca, but still. This is a huge story, Pat, which people may have seen or missed. The first ever malaria vaccine has now been approved for widespread use. Now, the importance of this can't be overstated because did you know at least 250,000 children a year die of malaria? It's still a very serious disease. A vaccine as ever is the way out. Decades of effort have failed effectively. But finally, one called Moscarix has got approved for widespread use. That's the first, That's the good news. Now, the, the slightly sad news is it's not that effective. It's got it's, it, it, 39% decrease in cases and 30% decreased risk of severe disease. Now, compare those to COVID, Pat. That's what, remember when banging the drum, COVID vaccines are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not in the league of those. But still, if you're saving one in three lives, that's got to be a good thing, you know. So they decide, let, yeah. let's approve it now and get it out. Aren't there difficulties, though, in terms of the number of times it has to be administered? It's it's not a simple one jab uh, sort. No, well, now that we're all vaccinologists, Pat, it's a really good question. Four jabs. Now, we okay. complain about getting a booster for, for COVID, don't we? That's our third jab. You need four jabs to really get the immune system. It's very hard to get a vaccine against malaria. It's a parasite. It lives in your liver. You know, it's very hard to get at. The immune system has trouble getting its teeth into it. You know, it's a very powerful vaccine. Four separate shots. Now that's logistically challenging of course, because how do you get people to come back, especially in in, in developing countries? But still, they're pressing this. They've given away uh, 3.5 million doses already now, and the vaccination campaign in Africa now is underway, which is a great sign, you see. So so it's a bit of a success story. And they're doing things like giving the vaccine and medication and combining and seeing what, what works best in what combination? No, so that, that was extremely important. If you give the vaccine in a place where there are bed nets that have got the anti-mosquito stuff on them, you know, or indeed anti-malarials, it went up to 70% protection. Isn't that great? So in other words, if you combine it, like most things, a combination often works better. Yeah. So combining it with the normal things increases uh, effectiveness. Now, 70% would be great, but if that pans out, again, you have 70% less children dying, you know. So again, people see this as a really important yeah. development. Now, this may be the first of many because meanwhile... 
Adrian Hill yeah. and his colleagues have R21. What's R21? They have. Now, Adrian, a great, as we know, friend of ours, Irish, Irish uh, doctor involved in the COVID vaccine in Oxford, head of the Jenner Institute in Oxford. Yeah. He, his passion's malaria. And, and there's a man who's been persevering for decades and failing. But you may have six months ago, a great, a great result from him, R21, 77% efficacy in the trial. And it's a similar vaccine to the one that just got approved. It's been tweaked a bit to make it more powerful. Now, he's very happy with this development because it, it smooths the path now for his one yeah. to follow the track now and get approved because now the regulators know what to do and so on. So it should speed up the process of approving other malaria vaccines. So the malaria community, when, when this happened, are, are very happy because they're saying, look, we have our first vaccine approved. There's more coming down the track that will beat this one and maybe eventually malaria will be conquered and that's, that's the overall goal. Mm. Uh, the, the, the tricky bit about malaria is, you know, the mosquito bites you and then it, it gets into you. Yeah. And what, what is so different about it? Well, it's a parasite. so much bigger than a virus and it's very cunning. Parasites have ways to stop our immune systems attacking them. They've evolved over a long time, you know, and it lives in your liver. And it's very hard for the immune system to get into your liver. That's the first problem. And it also spends time in your blood and then gets into the mosquito again, you see. And where, where do you stop it is the idea. And they've tried to stop different stages. So it's, a very, it's much more complex than COVID, actually, to be honest, because of its life cycle. But again, and the antigen, Pat, the, we might as well mention, we know this, CSP is a bit like the spike in, in, yeah. in COVID. It's called CSP and malaria. So the antibodies mask CSP and that stops the, the, the parasite getting in, basically. Uh, could we all give some thoughts as a texter uh, to all the precious animals and humans who've had to endure the trials and tests that have allowed the vast majority of us to stay alive because of the vaccinations that we now have developed. And I'm speaking as someone who hasn't heard anyone speak out Very about good this point. And we always thank patients for instance who volunteer and indeed we minimise animal use. It's very important. But it's a really good point because without that we wouldn't have got anywhere. You know. So again, I think that's a really good point. Um, can you ask Luke please, I've had one vax, had an adverse reaction which lasted two weeks. Docs uh, has now said she can't advise me to take the second uh, because I had such a bad reaction. I don't know what to do. I'll be classed as unvaxxed if I don't have the second one. That's a bit tricky. I press the GP. The GP is the person to talk to there, obviously, and just see what's going on. I can't see any reason why over time you wouldn't get the second one unless there's special medical reasons. You know, uh, Public health messaging on radio, etc. has stopped. People are acting as if the pandemic is over. Clamp down on the unvaccinated. Don't allow them into indoor entertainment on the 22nd. Uh, so says John. And that's the whole idea that the rest of us who are vaccinated get the vaccine bonus and those who deliberately say, no, I'm not having it, uh, don't get that bonus. Uh, Spain and Portugal, very compliant. Yes, they shout at you in shops and restaurants if you forget. Uh, They uh, clamp down on you. For example, they don't allow you to just pull up your scarf or jumper up. They insist on proper medical masks. We have such a casual approach here and it's a pity. Another one, I'm almost uh, three weeks back from the south of France. Almost everyone wears masks in every shop. Plus, you must sanitise your hands in every restaurant both inside and out you need to show your digital cert mask wearing was compulsory and complied with on public transport and cinemas digital pass required as you entered the cinema uh, so says yeah, Stephanie that's exactly it but same in Germany really, really rigorous because they know it's a very serious disease still you see and we must keep up with these measures why aren't restaurants and pubs consistently checking vaccine passports I've only been checked a couple of times and have no way of knowing whether I'm sitting next to an unvaccinated person these are businesses that I won't patronise 
harmonise again. Some businesses are rigorously enforcing the, enforcing the guidelines, but others seem more interested in taking your money than protecting your well-being. Roshin in Westmeath. I'm sick to the teeth of these willful non-vaccinated people. If the government removes the need to produce COVID certs in eateries, etc., I'm gone, uh, says John. Uh, the people who want to extend restrictions after October 22nd are those who are comfortably settled, steady, usually state job, married or stable relationship and a secure future. Meanwhile, some young people have never had a proper social life or a proper educational experience. This group is the biggest that loses out, yet some people want restrictions to be extended despite nearly everyone being vaccinated. Selfish, selfish people, says Paul in Kilkee. It's going to be a tough one, Fat Watch, because we do need to open up at some point, remember. It's yeah. very important, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't envy the, uh, the Cabinet decision next week. If yeah. the numbers are really bad, what are they going to do? But now we don't want to maintain restrictions that we, if we don't have to, you know. Yeah. So it's a tricky question. But it seems simple. I mean, this guy's saying the people uh, who want restrictions to apply to the non-vaccinated. He's calling those people selfish, but it's the people who choose not to be vaccinated who are the selfish people, depending on the huge cohort of people who got vaccinated to protect them. Well, we know vaccination is the way out of this for definite, you see, and if we don't have enough vaccines out there, there's a risk that it won't go away for longer, is the idea. Um, lots of stuff here I'm back in the office two weeks uh, two days a week for a large multinational social distancing well organised but there are lots of people not wearing masks when moving around the office when I brought it up the powers that be said there was nothing they could do about it crazy we can't check if people are vaccinated or enforce mask wearing that's from uh, Fiona on the train twice a week many men both young and old not wearing masks or leaving them under their noses no ticket collector either on many of these journeys to remind them to put on same it's so exasperating not to mention dangerous for the rest of us. That's from Mark. And I Paul. think the messaging is so important. It has gone off the radio. Now, we were sick of the constant announcements, yeah. but, but they probably worked. They kept reminding people, you've got to keep, keep doing these things. You know, it hasn't gone away. We need, we need a campaign yeah. again. I think really. we should clip that Jerry Adams clip and then move, you know, yeah. it hasn't gone away. That, that you know. kind of thing. Some, and some new, maybe some new way some to do it that, that would strike people in, in maybe, their we'll, ears, you know? maybe we'll clip Jerry Adams yeah, on this right. program and use it for our messaging. It'd be quite good. It hasn't gone away, you know. Exactly. Anyway, uh, it's good to see you uh, good finally to see you in studio. Yeah. You've been in studio and I've been at home. That's right. Now we're both in we're studio. Back, we're back together. And yeah. long may it continue. Exactly. Who yeah, knows yeah, the way so. things are going. Let's hope so. Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Thank you very much. 